Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Uh, we're here in the French Catholic Cafe. It's so wonderful to be back uh, at Lourdes, France, and to uh, to uh, smell the, the baking croissant in the oven. It's, it's nice, isn't it, Robert? It's nice, and that beautiful view out of the window is so much better than our view back home. That's exactly right. The French Catholic Cafe has a much nicer view of the Pyrenees that are kind of nice to uh, to look at. Better coffee, too. Exactly right. Plus, we're <laughs> okay. in this beautiful setting. Lourdes, France, people making pilgrimages here, and it's, it's such a wonderful gift to be a part of that. And we have a, a wonderful guest with us today. We sure do. It's quite a story to tell. Exactly right. We have Robert Bartlett, and he's a retired staff sergeant for the U.S. Army. And Robert, tell us, what, what did you do for the Army? Uh, I was a scout sniper, and, uh, but I had to, I had to admit, we, uh, 90% of what we did was humanitarian aid stuff while we were there. Okay. It's really great. Well, what, is a, what does a scout sniper do? Um, okay, so we'd get a, uh, a list of uh, a few bad people, and we'd right. go after them, or we'd just do overwatch for any troops that were working in the area, working with some of the people, the locals. Or, and as a scout, we kind of cleared sectors and make sure that shakes were doing the right thing. Right. Well, you know, we, we met you here in, in Lourdes, uh, and frankly, I didn't know who you were before, before this, but your story is, is quite compelling, and I thought this would be a great topic just to, to cover here on the Catholic Cafe. Um, and, you know, tell us a little bit. Uh, there was a, a fateful day in April of 2005, I believe. Is that right? Uh, actually, it was May 3rd. It was yesterday. It was my live day. Wow. Uh, seven years to the day. Uh, so in, in May of 2005, something, something incredible happened to you. So tell us just uh, let's, how did the day start? What, what was that day like? Uh, well, we'd, you know, I was, I, before I said I was a scout sniper, and we had cleared two sectors for the day, and we were on our way to clear the third sector. Is this in Afghanistan or Iraq? Or this is in Iraq, just outside Baghdad, uh, in between Sadr City and Baghdad. And uh, we had uh, we had a few things uh, go on, and uh, we cleared those sectors, and then we were clearing, clearing the next sector. And on our on our movement, there's three vehicles, and we end up uh, getting hit by an IED. And what's an IED? IED is an uh, improvised explosive device. And uh, mine was actually an EFP, which is a certain type of IED. And it basically is like a, a big, um, it would look like a gold pan. And on the, like if you're panning for gold, and on the back side of that is the explosive charge. And when it hits that pan, it turns it into a molten state and it, at about 3,500 degrees. And, but it holds form. And so when it, and then when it goes through the air, it drafts. When it cuts through any kind of armor, it drafts that. It drafts that shrapnel right behind it like you draft on NASCAR, mm. and it pulls everything so through. You got hit with a bomb, basically. I got direct hit to the face with a bomb, oh, and the goodness. head to the bomb. Well, and I then know I had, that you had some uh, some fellow soldiers with you. Yes. I had... Uh, so what hit me, hit me in the face, cut me in half from the left corner of my temple down through my jaw, and then I had ball bearings the size of quarters come in through the dash, uh, collapsed along, internal bleeding. And what hit me in the head... Uh, uh, took off my gunner's legs, who was I was driving that day, and he was in the he was in the turret, and his legs were right next to my head, and it took his legs off, and then took the top of my truck commander 
So uh, head off. So by the grace of God, my head is still here. And uh, but that was uh, obviously I mean, is without goes without saying. What a horrific experience this yeah. was. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, my buddy, my gunner, and I. You know, uh, he woke up after the accident. He was knocked out. I wasn't knocked out at all. I can remember what it felt like. The smell of the vehicle. What what I can still feel the burning metal hitting me in the face. I know what that. I can still remember all that. Mm. But uh, he woke up. We fixed. I tried to help him straighten out his legs, and we just thought we were going to die together. And I just looked at him, and he looked at me, and we didn't have to say a word. And I just leaned over his lap, and he put his arms around me and embraced me, and and we just uh, were going to die together. And uh, were you a person of faith before this, Robert? I mean, we, we, how was that? I mean, leading up to this. Were okay, you, uh, so I uh, I was baptized Catholic, non-practicing. I. I've had some uh, Catholic signs in my past. I knew I was going to die at the age of 32. Told a chaplain about it. I was 31. 32 kept flashing in my head right before I got hit. And I told the chaplain about it. And he he ended up, he was actually holding my hands later uh, when I did die the first time. And he didn't believe what I told him. And well, you, you, you refer to the fact that you died. Now, you're saying that you died. And that's what we kind of want to talk about that on this program today. Sure. Because really, I mean, this is a, you know, we hear the, the expression born again. Yeah. Right? We hear that all the time. And usually it's in the context of someone who's found Jesus, right? Who's, sure. who's had that, 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 that beautiful divine rebirth sure. uh, that, that is only experienced with uh, revelation of, of God and realizing God's uh, purpose uh, in our lives. And, you have had a different kind of. I mean, you were physically reborn, were you not as well? Uh, yeah, I uh, actually end up dying three times. I saw purgatory. I've seen the evil one. I've seen the blood of Christ. It's all there. I've seen the pillars that they mention in the Bible. I had instant knowledge of everything. There is no time there, um, and I felt the love of God. And it's an individual love, and we got to remember that He loves us like we're the only one He ever created, like a fingerprint or. Uh, chromosome. That's why we're all different. So, Robert, you said when after the IED hit, and then you, you were dying. Yeah. And then you just had this experience. Is that, that about ten uh, minutes after I uh, was hit? I, I we, they got us back to um, our aid station before we caught caught the helicopter to the liftoff, and uh, that's when the chaplain, who I told this about, I told him I was going to die at the age of thirty one, thirty two. He was holding my hands then when I di- and I died right there on the table. And then um, they resuscitated me. During that time, that's when my buddy who was killed with me, his spirit came back and said, uh, I had to go back. I haven't had a wife and kids yet. He spoke to me. Uh, but he, he didn't only speak to me. He spoke to another soldier who was in the truck with us and woke him up in the street and told him what to do to save my life and my gunner's life. Well, this sounds like a movie. You know, we see these kind of images in movies, but this this really happened to you. This really happened to all, yeah, to all of us. It wasn't a Hollywood uh, dream. Nope, this is the real deal. I'm, I'm not as blessed as a lot of our listeners out there. Let me tell you, folks. I I'm I've been blessed because God gave me a second chance. But God said, "Blessed are those who believe and have yet not seen." So you are all more blessed than me because you believe and yet you have not seen. I believe because I have seen, and that's why I talk about it. So, you know? do you put yourself in the category of the of, of Thomas? I mean, do you kind of do you I recognize? Don't, I don't know. I don't. You know, I haven't read. I'm a fairly new practicing Catholic, right? Right. Well, those so. those words that Jesus is saying, he's referring to Thomas, who had to put his hands inside in yes. Jesus' side and, and touch the nail marks. That's right. Before he would believe, yeah. because he refused, even though his his brother apostles said, "Oh no, we've seen him." And it's like I don't I don't believe you. Not until I do this. And so you've had the opportunity to 
basically put your hands in Jesus' side at that at that point at, at uh, is what you're telling us and, yeah. and you believe and, and I, I think that's uh, very noble of you to, to recognize that there are many people out there that have great faith who've, yes. yet, who've not had the opportunity very holy uh, to experience there, yeah. what you've experienced now you have told I, I've read some stuff about you and I did read that you had said this was really the greatest thing that ever happened to you and Absolutely. a lot of people would not refer to an event so horrific yeah. as being a great it, thing what is that well, you guys know, uh, Robert, you, uh, you, you guys understand, Deacon, you, you, we all have crosses, right? And they're all different. But we need to look for what our crosses are and what our temptations are so we can stay away from the temptations but embrace our crosses because he told us to embrace our crosses. Now, he took a man who lost his lips, lost half of his face, and made him a speaker. So I speak for... You know, I go to churches and RCIA classes and, and schools and talk about my experience to help people come home. But, and that's God's work. So, if you got to meet God, would it would it matter what, of anything physical in this world? No, because it exists after this. So, what happens here? It's only a blink of an eye. You know, I'm 38 now. I joined the army at the age of 30. That eight years went in the blink of an eye. But you, you've, you've matured a lot in terms of your thought, and you've had yeah. a lot of time, several years, to reflect on these events. So yeah. it didn't all just, even though you had those visions, that experience in, in, in the flash of a moment, right? Right. But at the same time, you've had many years to sort of... Grow in my of, faith. Well, I went through our RCIA classes and everything. Well, let's go, let's go back to the beginning, though. What, sure. what, what happened? I mean, how many surgeries did you go through? Uh, I've had about 40 something procedures about four and a half years of reconstruction so four four or five years of, of all this so you've had yeah. a lot of time to be to ponder and discern oh yeah now but, at i know robert was asking you earlier about your faith before you were baptized catholic but you weren't practicing right at what point did you decide that you needed to start looking back into the faith of the church that you were baptized into and and, de- and decide for yourself once and for all to really be that uh, a genuine catholic well, I'm you know I'm a slow learner, and uh, you know oh, well, welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> you were not alone there. So uh, you know uh, I joined the like I said I joined at the age of thirty, but I you know I knew I have had uh, feelings I was going to die at the age of thirty two at 20, when I was twenty four years old. I, I predicted uh, somebody whispered in my ear my my grandmother's going to die tomorrow, and I turned and looked at my buddy, some either my guardian angel or somebody spoke to me. I just knew, and she did. She died the next day, and then it was soon after that that I got that age thirty two. So. I didn't start really growing into my faith until I joined the Army. And I was like, wow, I'm really getting close to 32 here. I need to start learning my faith. And I started going to Mass. And I did it wrong. I should have, I should have uh, you know, went through RCIA, learned about my faith. I was receiving Eucharist when I wasn't clean. And, uh, and it wasn't good, you know. So, but I, I've come a long way, and he's had a lot of mercy on me. So. Well, and that's good, and he does have mercy. And I, I think it's actually very insightful that, that you... You have had a person. Uh, you've had a. You've had plenty of opportunities throughout your life to to, where you say you had a vision or you had a feeling or you had a sense, uh, either of your own death or the death of others or other events. Yeah. Not all of us have that kind of that sense. So it sounds like you're pretty intuitive. It sounds like that you are open to the promptings of of God, and and that's a absolutely that's a, that's a good thing. Now, obviously, this event was a, a loud prompting. Yeah. The, the very obvious thing that came to you. We want to talk sure. more about some of that 
in just a moment when we come back. Okay. Uh, before we do that, I want to remind folks at home that we have a wonderful website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I'd love for you to email me at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so uh, with that, we're going to be right back. I'm Bess Drzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. many of us recall in years past a visit to a grandmother or older Catholic friend and being immersed in signs and symbols of the Catholic faith. Crucifixes adorning the walls of every room, a Blessed Mother statue in the garden, rosaries lying on the nightstands, holy cards and other pictures of saints were everywhere to the point where one could not help but see the faith of the person dwelling in the house. These objects and prayer cards are part of the wonderful tradition of the Church known as sacramentals. According to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, a sacramental is a sacred sign by which spiritual effects are signified and obtained through the prayers of the Church. Just as working people keep pictures of their loved ones at their offices to remind them of their family when not at home, and just as married couples wear wedding rings to signify the commitment of life and love made to their spouses, So the Church encourages us to have sacred objects about us as reminders of our faith. If we truly love Jesus and desire with our hearts to be saints in heaven with Him, it is only natural that we should want reminders of our beloved Lord all about us. And what is truly wonderful is these holy objects can help us with our prayer and keep us on the road to sanctity. The Church has an ancient tradition of the faithful bringing sacramentals to the priest or deacon to have them blessed. A blessing of an object is a prayer over that object, setting it apart for use for prayer, and asking the Lord to allow the object to be used as an instrument of grace. Once blessed, the objects are different, in a sense consecrated or set apart for God, and thereafter deserve a special reverence. We need to ask ourselves, If a stranger came into our home, would he find evidence of our faith? Consider placing a crucifix in every room of your house to be visibly reminded of the supreme love of God in offering His Son. Or place a Bible in a prominent space to emphasize the importance of the Word of God. Perhaps have a holy water font in your house so family members can bless themselves before prayer. And be sure to make gifts of religious objects to graduates or young Catholic couples getting married, as these instruments of faith will likely be more important to these young people than anything listed in the bridal registry. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm still Deacon Jeff, and I'm still here in the French Catholic Cafe with my co-host, Robert Hutton. And we still have the guest, Robert Bartlett. Robert, you were just telling us about basically this really horrific event that, that was a great event for you because it just basically woke you up and changed essentially who you were. You were reborn as the new improved Robert Bartlett. And it may have taken a couple of years to sort of really take hold, but you went back to RCIA, right? You found out more about what the the church taught. Yeah, absolutely. 
I was able to start learning on how to defend my faith and everything. I mean, I when I first woke up at Walter Reed, um, I had just died and uh, the third time, and, uh, and it was five days after my accident. Or it wasn't an accident; they were really trying to hurt me. Right. But uh, hmm. yeah, and there was a a priest. His name's Father Kenny. He just passed his way. Got to rest his soul. Um, and he was walking by at the time, and he's an old priest. And uh, so I. Instantly, when I woke up, I waved as much as I could. I couldn't talk, obviously. I had a trach in my throat. And, uh-huh. and so I waved him over and asked him for a blessing, you know. And um, so a lot of what I saw, obviously, brought back with me. Uh, and um, still had a little bit of that knowledge, you know. And then that was just like the mustard seed being planted, you know. Well, you know, that's a, that's a good point that you bring up that I would, I'd like to talk about for a second. A lot of times you hear these stories of people who were baptized Catholic. Mm-hmm. And they fall away from the faith. Sure. But based on what we teach and what we believe about the Catholic Church is that when we're baptized, mm-hmm. right, that, that sanctifying grace is there. Sure. And while it may go dormant. It essentially sure. just kind of lays there waiting for some stimulus, waiting for the Holy Spirit to go to work. And, and in your sure. case... Or the rocks to get out of the garden. That's exactly right. you got to get and, the rocks out of the garden, get the so soil nice had, and deep. Rock, you know, God let the rocks be blown out of my garden. That's you know? beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> he, knew, he knew how stubborn I was. I had a stubborn heart, you know. Um, and I had to shed myself of a lot of sin and things, in the, things that I put from the world before him. And I still have to. I have to all the time. You know, I, to go, I go to confession all the time. It's important that, you know, I do. You know, I have a great patron, St. Padre Pio, 16 hours. This guy, you know, this priest would do confession. And uh, it's really helped me to recognize that he helped me come home, too. You know, a lot of these saints have really helped me come home. Holy Father's helped me come home, you know. So it wasn't just, it was the people in my life, too. And I was able to, I, I start seeing Jesus, you know. It doesn't matter what they look like anymore. You can... Well, let's talk about what people look like. That's an important concept we should talk about. And I know that a lot of times, uh, well, you were in a very bad way. I mean, you were not uh, what you would call presentable at the time, right? No, I was drooling all the time, had to carry a towel underneath me because I I didn't have a bottom lip at all. So whatever was in my mouth would just constantly fall out. But even before that, I mean, at the the point where uh, this uh, horrific thing happened, uh, you know, you were saying parts of your face were no longer there. And, right. and at that point, that changes everything about what you sure. thought before. Sure. Uh, well, well, I know I read somewhere that you were at that point, you did think about like, well, I'll probably never date again. Yeah. I thought about priesthood. Who, what woman is ever going to want a guy with half a face? Right. And I, you know, what lips I could, you know, how am I going to kiss her? I didn't have any lips. How could I hold her hand if my hands were so damaged? And, you know, we take so uh, much for granted, don't we? What you Every just, day, right? Yeah, and I so, learned that in Iraq too, though. I mean, just the uh, you know people having running water, you know, and uh, we have running water where a lot of Iraqis didn't. Um, we we have toilets; they didn't have toilets or right. trash systems or you know houses made out of mud and you know. So I well, learned to not take advantage. You of thought that you'd then. never kiss again, but yeah, God had a different yeah, answer, didn't He? Sure did. Well, tell us about uh, your your lovely wife Jordan. Tell us about that experience. Um, well, uh, my wife is just a beautiful woman. and um, When did you meet her? Uh, I met her uh, before I shipped over uh, to Iraq. I had come home a few times. My buddy introduced me to her. I just figured she didn't like me because she was very um, reserved and quiet and a little bit shy. And I tried to talk her up, and she would just give me yes and no answers. So I just figured she didn't like me. 
But that wasn't true. I found out that she was just intimidated by me. Oh, okay. And then um, they had a big fundraiser when I got hit. Uh, I used to be a bartender. And the fundraiser at this Irish pub, and it's all blue-collar people. And they raised about uh, $38,000 wow. to send my wife and I, to send my family to come take care of me. Because uh, as the listeners heard, I uh, was pretty badly injured. And um, while I was home on leave, uh, after a few surgeries, I was getting a break in between surgeries. And there she was again and uh, my buddy said come on over and i I, you know i had the this is truth i i was uh severely um inebriated one night uh right before i left for iraq they had a big going away party for me i was home on leave and it was thanksgiving day and i got to kiss my wife one time and i got to feel her lips one time before i uh before i lost my lips now we didn't date until after i uh was blown up but um you know, uh, and then I came to Lord's France here, you know, I mean, just so many things. I mean, I didn't have any feeling in my lips until I came here to Lord's France. And I, I had uh, now when I kissed my wife, even though on our wedding day, I couldn't I could kiss my wife, but I couldn't feel her lips. It actually hurt to kiss my wife. And then I went on a trip by the by the order of Malta. They took a um, I'll get choked up a wounded vet to see our lady and. uh I had a miracle, and uh, no more headaches, no more neck pain, and um, now when I kiss my wife, I can uh, I can feel her lips, even though I can't to this day feel well, hot, we know, hot coffee. We so. know that the grace of God is at work here. We, do, we yeah. you, you sense that, and again, this is not necessarily for our listening audience to know that. This is for you, right? I mean, sure. God has spoken to you, uh, to to Robert Bartlett. Yeah. Well, He speaks to us all, you know. Sometimes we just need to open our ears. That's beautiful. And you've had uh, you've had some uh, some some private revelations. Some uh, God has spoken to you in a very specific way, and uh, I think that's beautiful. And I think we can all uh, sort of take from that the idea that God loves each and every one of us, right? And that that God Absolutely. calls each of us. Absolutely. You know, we all have our own vocations. Look what you guys are doing. This is your vocation. You're bringing. You're bringing faith back into the world, which we need so bad, you know? Well, you're helping that process now, i I, I got to admit. Um, and I, th- I think that, um, uh, you know, going forward, you, ha- you have to be thinking, what is, what is God asking me to do? Have you had that kind of conversation with God yet? Have you, sure. Do you I, know what you're, what you're called to do with your I, life? I just uh, totally submit. And he leads me. Uh, usually I meet somebody um, who has just recently lost somebody. And he puts me near them so I could tell, talk to them about my buddy who came back and helped save my life. So they remember that the spirits are around us and we need to pray for those who have passed and spend some time with them. They still exist, just not in the same existence we have now, you know. Um, so, yeah, we need to keep that in mind. We need to pr- pray with our saints and talk to them and, and pray with our family members and love them. And um, because one day we'll be with them, and they want to spend time with us. We can't forget what they've done and the crosses they bared, so we maybe we can meet God, you know? Well, you, again, you talked about your very, very, very nominal Catholic life before yeah. this event happened. Right. Uh, tell us about your Catholic life now. Uh, it's wonderful. Uh, I'm a devout Catholic. I work, I'm trying to... I'm trying to be better every day. Um, I still fall from grace like everybody else, but uh, you know, it's about it's about picking up that cross and moving on. And and um, you know, hopefully, we get assignment here and there to help us pick up that cross and keep on marching to Calvary. You know, so 
Yeah. Do you do you sense that God is still working in your life and Always. God is calling you to do every things every day, every day, every day? Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, it's um, don't you guys? Yeah. You know, but how do you deal with like children, or do you ever have experiences? Because I mean, obviously, there's some some. Physical sure, scars yeah, from, you know, from the surgery and not all. Not as pretty and, as I used to be. Yeah. <laughs> ah, you're depending on the lines, depending, depending on, on the eye, you know. <laughs> yeah, internally, you're a lot prettier than you used to be. <laughs> oh, but yeah. What do you do? Because children are so on. You know, what do you, and they come say, what happened to your face? Or, or how do you respond to children or, or people that come up? You know, we sometimes we forget that there's an innocence with children, and, uh, and I love it. Um, we get to see God and children, you know. So... I don't mind if a child comes up to me and touches my face at all. Um, I had a little girl here today, and um, El Malad, and she took to, she took a look at me. She just got out of the bath water, and she just looked at me, and she said, um, "Why are you so handsome?" <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. You know, they see. I think kids see the inner, see the soul. They don't see the person. They see the soul still. You know, those baths here in Lourdes, France, those healing waters. Uh, yeah. that, that all of these folks come and, and uh, immerse themselves in, they change us, right? That's part Absolutely. of conversion. And so I think when she Spiritual when she had been through the baths, a little sense of God right there. Mary's and she's just sees around you. her and just embracing her and telling her, you know, our spiritual, spiritual mother is just embracing us here, obviously. Well, that talks, again, it speaks to that, that inner beauty that God sees, right? Yeah. And that we as, as human beings need to try and see as God sees. It's so Always. hard for us to do. Sure. Absolutely. We need to love, we're supposed to love ourselves, right? That's what he's told us to do. We're the greatest commandments, you know, love him with all your heart, love and soul and all your strength and then love each other as I've loved you. Right. Amen. Absolutely. And, and your experience is, is a profound one and we're so blessed and we thank you for your service in defense of all that is good. And for all those that serve and have served with you, those who have, have yeah. gone to be with God, but then also for all those soldiers who are on the field right now, we, we appreciate all that you do. And we pray for you. Please. Yeah. Listeners, please pray for your troops, you know, pray for, pray that they have a conversion of heart and come home. Amen. Amen. And also, we're so happy that, you, that you've that you had this great experience, if I can say it that Absolutely. way. Absolutely. It has been a great experience. I, I wouldn't change a thing. I, I love the military, and I love what is God, the greatest gift God has given me is these scars on my face and uh, because I'm able to bring people home. Well, I can't bring them home. Only he can. But hopefully I can be like a mirror for God and reflect his light towards people and help uh, help see the truth. Robert, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. We're going to end in prayer, and I want to end with a prayer of St. Basil the Great that is, is helpful for those who are going through some rocky times in life. Sure. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Steer the ship of my life, Lord, to your quiet harbor, where I can be safe from the storms of sin and conflict. Show me the course I should take. Renew in me the gift of discernment, so that I can see the right direction in which I should go. And give me the strength and the courage to choose the right course, even when the sea is rough and the waves are high, knowing that through enduring hardship and danger, in your name, we shall find comfort and peace. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff... Send an email to Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. 
Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.